Well, Merry Christmas. So good to see you. Welcome to FBC. We are so glad that you came out to celebrate Christmas and Christmas Eve with us tonight. And don't worry, you're going to be sitting down for a little while now, okay? So not too many up and you get a little breather just to sit. Uh, let me pray for us as we spend some time in God's Word. Father, we, we love you and, and we want to look to you and say thank you. Uh, thank you for the gift of your Son, uh, Jesus, we celebrate you tonight, that you came, uh, you were born, you are the word made flesh, you uh, came to rescue us, to save us, to show us uh, who you are, God. And so we worship you tonight, and we pray uh, that you would help all of us, Lord, understand the, the true meaning and significance of Christmas. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, in November of 2017, there was a Colorado State lottery drawing for a grand prize of about $2 million. And they found that someone won the prize. The winning ticket had been purchased for the whole prize of $2 million, but no one came forward to claim it. Days went by, weeks went by, months went by, about five months in total passed with no one claiming the riches. See, someone had become rich, but they didn't realize it yet. A man came forward then in April of 2018, now about five months after the drawing had taken place, and he realized he had the winning numbers, and he claimed the prize. And so naturally, people asked him, what took you so long? Why didn't you come forward earlier? And they were wondering, well, maybe he didn't want to deal with the media attention. He wanted to do things more anonymously, keep things quiet. Or maybe he had some affairs in his personal life that he had to get in order before he went and became a multi-millionaire. So they asked him, what's the deal? And he said, no, it's not any of those things. I just didn't know that I won. He didn't realize he had the winning ticket. See, he purchased the lottery ticket back in November, but when the drawing took place, he never bothered to check his numbers. He didn't think that he would ever win. He didn't think it was realistic that he would actually win the grand prize when, in fact, he had. And so he was completely stunned in April of 2018 to find out that he now was the proud owner of $2 million. He was rich for months, but he didn't realize it. Would you believe me if I told you that sometimes that is true for us today? For many of us, we can be rich without knowing it. Now by that I don't mean that you have a winning lottery ticket at home that you need to go check, although this might be a good reminder if you have a lottery ticket to check the numbers just in case. But I, I'm not talking about material wealth, financial wealth. I'm talking about the riches that we have in Christ, that through faith in Jesus, this Savior that we're singing about tonight, through faith in Jesus, we have become rich. We've become rich, but often we don't realize it, and we can go wandering through life or go through long stretches without realizing the full weight of what that means, all that Jesus came 
to bring us. And so Christmas is an opportunity for us to hear the story again, to read about that first Christmas from the Gospel of Luke, and to consider the riches that Christ came to bring us. There's one other verse we're going to look at tonight. We've been reading from Luke chapter 2, but we're going to read one other verse together. And it's going to explain a bit of what I'm saying about the riches we have. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn there now. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to have the words on the screen or there's some on the seats in front of you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says this. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. One short verse, but so much packed into it. You see where it ends, right? That you, through his poverty, might become what? Might become rich. And yet to understand what's going on here, we have to understand a little bit of the context. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is writing to this church and he's trying to encourage them to be generous, to give what they have for the good of these other believers that are in need. And so in order to encourage them to live generous lives and to give of their resources to help other people, he points them to the generosity of God. He points them to Jesus. He says, look at how generous God has been with you. Look at what he has done for you. Then the natural response will be generosity to flow out of your heart. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, though he was rich, he became poor for you. Now, we can be honest that rich is kind of a relative term, right? Maybe we wonder, well, who exactly is considered rich? There are people that have less wealth than we do, and there are people that have more wealth than we do. And so where exactly is the line? How exactly are we using this term rich? Reminds me of a story a missionary friend shared with us from our old church. He was a church planter, Bible translator to a nomadic shepherd tribe community in Southeast Asia. He was responsible for Bible translation in, in a pretty hostile environment, sharing the gospel, helping people come to know Jesus. And one of the elders of these villages that he was working with, one of the elders of the, the shepherd tribes, was lamenting to our missionary friend about how rich his people had become, how materialistic they had started to become. Their possessions were growing. And so this elder in this village, lamenting to our missionary friend, said this, our people are so rich, they're so materialistic now, we have so many possessions that I bet our entire village could fill an entire pickup truck full of our stuff. Seriously, we are so rich. We have so many possessions that our whole village, we could fill up one whole pickup truck with our stuff. He was angered by that. And our missionary friend thought to himself, well, you better sit down when I tell you about what it's like where I come from. Think about it. Many families, many people filling up one pickup truck is outlandish in their minds. And yet for us, when just one family moves, 
as we all know, it takes many, many, many pickup trucks. And so by that standard, we are incredibly rich and wealthy. And yet we know that there are people with more wealth than most of us. Think about it in the Bay Area. We think about the multimillionaires, the, the billionaires that are around. We think of a man like Jeff Bezos, who's the founder of Amazon, who is worth over $100 billion. So the richest person in the world. $100 billion to his name. Now, I did some research, because I, I was like, how, trying to put that number in place, and what exactly does that look like? So a, a billion dollars is 1,000 million. Okay, so one billion is a thousand million. So this guy has one million dollars times one thousand times one hundred or more. Okay, so he could uh, buy a thousand million dollar homes and that wouldn't even be one percent of his wealth. So just unfathomably wealthy and rich. And so we think about this concept of being rich, and we say, well, some people have less than we do, and some people have more than we do. So who exactly is rich? And then where does Jesus fit into all that? Because the verse says he was rich. So how rich was Jesus? The text isn't really talking about his earthly life or his money or his possessions. I mean, he was practically homeless, relying on the hospitality of other people. He didn't have a savings account. He didn't have a retirement account. Wasn't driving around Jerusalem in a Cadillac Escalade with the disciples in the back going on expensive vacations. He wasn't rich in that sense. And so what is the verse telling us then? What does it mean that he was rich? It's pointing us back to before his birth. It's pointing us back to the fact that Jesus is the eternal Son of God come from heaven. And it points us back to the riches of heaven, that Jesus is God himself. And so the next question would be, well, then how rich is God? How rich is God in heaven? Well, Psalm 50 tells us that every creature belongs to him, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. In the ancient world, cattle equaled wealth, land equaled wealth. This is a figurative way of saying everything belongs to him. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. He has no need of anything, nothing that we can bring him that he doesn't already have. It all belongs to him. Psalm 24 tells us the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So not just the cattle on a thousand hills, but, but the whole earth and everything in it. And not just the earth, but Deuteronomy chapter 10 says the heavens belong to the Lord as well and the heavens, heavens. In other words, it's all his. Cattle on a thousand hills, the whole earth, everything in it, the heavens included, it all belongs to him. So Jesus was rich, but not just in terms of possessions. He was rich in terms of his privileges and his comforts. The eternal son of God in heaven would enjoy endless praise and worship all the safety and joy of heaven, never growing weak or weary, never threatened or uncomfortable, enjoying all the privileges that rightly belonged to him as the king 
of the universe. So yes, Jesus was rich. The text goes on. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Though he was rich, though he's the eternal God, for your sake he became poor. He, he left the riches and comforts of heaven. He had every right to stay comfortable in heaven and enjoy his privilege and his power, but he became poor for you. He was born, this speaks of his birth, the incarnation, God in the flesh, God himself leaving the comforts of heaven to come and walk among us, the eternal God stepping into creation as a helpless child. And not just a helpless child, a child would, that would grow and teach and heal and ultimately die for us, ultimately be killed on a cross. I mean, imagine the humility we're talking about here. The eternal God stepping into creation as a man, and not just a man, not just a man that would be welcomed and celebrated and honored, a man that would be humiliated, beaten, killed, spit on, and left for dead. Jesus left the riches of heaven and became poor for our sake. That's what Christmas is all about. And it's hard to wrap our, our minds around that. I mean, think about how much he left behind. How, how hard is it for us to give up our comforts and our privileges? This is why I don't like to go camping. You have to leave behind the warm shower and the warm bed and the nice climate-controlled environment. You have to leave the comforts of home and go sleep on the ground in the cold. So in small things it's difficult, but imagine in a bigger way how difficult it would be to leave the comforts of home. I mean, imagine if tomorrow morning you woke up and instead of a warm cup of coffee and a nice cozy robe and opening a bunch of presents with your family, if we sent a car to your house and it took you to the airport and we're flying you to Nairobi to live in a slum there or to Kolkata in India, or some third world country where you'd have to leave behind the comforts of home. And you wouldn't have your Starbucks or your Costco or your fuzzy slippers or whatever it is for you that makes home home and comfortable. What if we had to leave the comforts of home to go elsewhere in an infinitely bigger way? This is what Christmas is about. This is what Jesus has done. So we ask the question, lastly, why? why? Why such poverty? Why such a drastic step? Why leave these riches behind? The text concludes, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Christmas, Jesus' birth, ultimately his death was for our sake, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. C.S. Lewis put it this way, the Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. It speaks of our, our need that without Jesus, we're lost, dead in our sin, 
without a home worthy of judgment, separated from God, separated from God's presence and God's love. And so Jesus stepped in and became poor for us. He took on our humanity. Not only that, he went to the cross and he took on our sin and he took on death and he died for us so that through him we might live. So through his poverty, his sacrifice, we might become rich. And again, we're not, we're not talking about here just about, about money and possessions. Think about the riches that we have in Christ. Adoption into the family of God. The ability to now call God our Father and know him intimately, to pray to him, to have our prayers heard. We have the, the riches of forgiveness of sins. Our past can be cleansed. Our hearts can be washed clean. We have the riches of purpose now in life. Living for something bigger than ourselves. We can know God and make him known and love other people and see his kingdom come all in his name. We have the riches of an inheritance, eternal life that we look forward to that can never perish, spoil, or fade no matter what circumstances or fears or challenges come our way now, we have life with God and his people forever to look forward to. So friends, we now in Christ are rich beyond measure. But sometimes we forget that. Like our friend from Colorado. He was rich, but he didn't know it. Sometimes we don't realize it. And think about that man he won the lottery and then it took five months for him to claim his wealth. It took five months for him to realize that he was actually rich. Think about, I wonder if in that time he had any money concerns. If he had anything he worried about, paying some medical bills, paying off student loans, he was probably stressed about, paying off credit card debt, health issues or concerns, paying his bills month to month, I don't know. Maybe he was worried or stressed about things in that realm. And don't you think if, if only he knew the riches he had, how much a difference that would make? If only he knew the riches he had. And so again, for us, friends, I, I don't know what you're bringing in with you tonight. I don't know what fears, what worries, what burdens you're carrying. In a, in a room this big, we can make a pretty long list of the things that we're going through. And I'm not trying to, to minimize those or trivialize those. They're real and difficult and challenging. But if only we knew the riches that we had, how that might change our perspective, how that might lighten the load to realize the riches that are ours in Christ. And friends, all this is because of Jesus, who at Christmas we remember, though he was rich, became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. There's one last thing we're going to do together as, as a church family. Uh, we're going to sing one last song. We're going to turn the lights down and we're going to light some candles. So now's the time if you want to get those candles ready on your seats. Tonight, as you saw, we remembered the Advent candles we have lit previously and then we lit the Christ candle, which reminds us that Jesus has come. The wait is over. We can celebrate his birth, the birth of our Savior. But rather than having this display stay up here 
nice and pretty and removed from the realities of life. We want to symbolically show that the light of Christ and the riches and the life that he brings invades our world and our hearts. And so from this one candle, we're going to light the rest in the room and it's going to spread and then we're going to sing about Jesus, our Savior, and celebrate him. Would you pray one more time with me? Jesus, we, we love you. And we thank you for leaving your riches in heaven, becoming poor for us, so that through your poverty, we might become rich. We might be called sons and daughters of God. We might be forgiven of our sins and adopted into your family for all who would believe and trust in you. We celebrate you tonight, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.